0: morning, you're tuned into KBBI, Homer AM 890, the time is 9.01 and it's time for the coffee table. I'm Josh Krohn, I'll be your host this morning and joining me on the line here I have the directors from Pier 1 and Homer Council on the Arts and Adele Person from uh, Bunnell Street Arts Center. Uh, that's Jennifer Norton from Pier 1, Scott Bartlett from uh, Homer Council on the Arts and Adele Person from Bunnell Street Arts Center. We are available to take your questions. If you'd like to call in and ask us questions, you may do so. Simon is standing by on the phones. The number to call, 907-235-7721. And I'm standing by on my email. If you'd like to email us a question, josh at kbbi.org. Thank you for joining us this morning. And let's go ahead and check in with our panelists. Uh, Let's see, Scott, are you there?
1: I'm here. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Scott. Thank you. And Jennifer, are you there?
2: Good morning. I am here.
0: Excellent. And Adele, are you there?
2: I am. Good morning, Josh.
0: Good morning, Adele. Thank you all for joining me. And uh, we're going to talk about art and art happenings in the Homer area. And you are three of my... Favorite arts people here in the Homer area because of your involvement with uh, uh, the organizations that are near and dear to my own heart. Um, not saying I don't have other favorites, but you're definitely wonderful people to have in the community and you're doing wonderful things. With your organizations and making sure things continue to happen no matter what we do with uh, COVID protocols and uh, trying to keep people safe in that regard. So uh, before we jump into new stuff going on, uh, I just want to chat a little bit about the way things have unfolded over the last couple of months with uh, COVID protocols and uh, keeping people safe uh, safe and contained and separated, um, under the circumstances. And, uh, we are starting to see more live events happening. Um, let's start with Adele because Adele, you've got, uh, live events that have been happening down there at the Benell street arts center. Uh, we've been broadcasting a once a month concert from you, but you also have gallery openings. Tell me a bit about how the gallery has weathered the storm and is moving forward today.
3: Sure. Um, Well, you know, it's it's definitely been um, such a balancing act and the gallery really reopened as soon as the governor um, issued those first uh, reopening protocols in May. And we've had masks and limited, um, you know, limited uh, the number of people who could be in there, but that's not normally an issue. uh, And mostly we just haven't had a lot of live events, at least not through 2020 and 2021. Uh, until um, until recently, where we've had these sort of hybrid events, and and one of the great example is really this partnership with KBBI, where initially, in the height of the pandemic, it was sort of uh, uh, Jeff going to a, a musician's house and broadcasting um, so that we still had an audience out there. But as we had better um, uh, compa- you know, different adaptive strategies, vaccinations, or masking, we've had hybrid. So there's an in-person concert the third Friday of every month, but it's also simultaneously broadcast on the radio. And that's allowed people to really adapt to whatever's comfortable for them. There's still masks required. And and then I guess we've just had a really ongoing process of checking in with our staff and with our board and with um, visitors about uh, calibrating what is acceptable. You know, there was sort of a window last summer where... Uh, there, there was less use on masks, but then we got into the Delta spike and sort of put that back on. Um, and first Fridays are the same. you know um, masks required there while, while we're sort of in a crowded in, indoor space. Um, and then while there's in person, there's also adaptive online um, access points. You can either listen to the artist talk through a podcast uh, a little bit after the fact, and you can view the gallery. In, on, online in a sort of a 3D format and you can see the works in the online store. So we've really tried to just accommodate people where they are um, and make the best kind of consensus uh, to, to move forward safely, but also regain some of the joys of art, which is having people gather and conversations and uh, new ideas and inspiration.
0: Great. Thank you, Adele. Uh, Yeah, no, it's wonderful to see that the the gallery space has remained uh, accessible, Um, maybe not uh, not in the entirely open context that we were used to before, but the fact that you've been able to keep things going and that the organization has uh, not just survived, but even possibly thrived at this time. So uh, wonderful to hear. Um, let's see, Scott, uh, tell me a bit about how Homer council in the arts has weathered the, uh, conditions of the pandemic over the last, uh, couple of months and how you are coming out of that now. And I know I've seen a number of live events, uh, popping up on your calendar over the last couple of months.
1: Uh, yeah, we've, I'd say we've, we've weathered, um, as well as could be expected. <laughs> it's been, it's been a challenge as, uh, Adele mentioned, you know, we we're definitely, um, the gallery was impacted through brief closures and um, we're back uh, operating with mass protocols still in place in the gallery. A lot of our work is around uh, workshops for youth and adults. And so those have been particularly, we've been particularly cautious um, to make sure that those continue in a safe manner. Um, I think in the early part of the pandemic we had some some classes that moved online uh, or moved into a hybrid space. Um, there was definitely some periods there where uh, Zoom fatigue set in uh, and we saw some, some variation in interest in enrollment, uh, but we're really happy to be back operating. We're now in our third year of uh, art a la carte uh, after school art program. And we've had classes running all year with that, which is great. Um, so that's wonderful um, and more adult classes happening. Um, we are doing more live events. Uh, as you mentioned, we actually just kicked off a sec- second Friday series uh, last week with Ben Peters playing in the gallery here with a small crowd uh, with masks. Um, and we'll continue that um, into the future on second Fridays and, and assess as things change and, and uh, if we are able to to relax more. but but keep an eye to safety for sure. The larger events we're really happy to uh, have back again. Um, We've had a few now. Uh, Last November, we had a piano recital by Roman Rudnitsky at Faith Lutheran, uh, which was great. Uh, And in uh, January, we had the Irish Trio uh, performing at the Homer Theater. Both of those events we operated with uh, mask or vaccine requirements. Um, and that went really well. I think people were so happy to get out and hear music, see friends together in a space. Um, there's really nothing like that. Uh, and in a big, you know, of course in a big crowd, it's, it's, it's fun to be in a crowd of people. Um, and so we're, we're kind of walking that line though of, of doing that safely. Um, and I, I believe that concert, that Irish trio will be broadcast uh, tomorrow evening on KBBI.
0: Yes, it will. Uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And uh, I just want to uh, share from experience that uh, I was at the Irish Trio concert. Um, it was wonderful to be in the live uh, setting like that. It was the first time in mm, two years um, and maybe then some because I think I probably hadn't gone out to any live concerts over the winter in 2020 before that. Uh, but uh, it was well attended and uh, people were respectful of the, uh, the protocols and uh, people really seemed to have a good time. Um, so, Scott, let me back up real quick, because I wanted to ask you about the Art a la Carte. We make announcements on that on a regular basis, but tell us a little bit about what that program is.
1: Uh, sure. It's an after-school program for grades uh, three through six um, uh, of a, a thematic series of visual art education. So you can do one month or you can do six months. It operates uh, after school from, um, from September through April. So right now we're in the middle of a series with Charlene Klein and Kiki Aberson teaching uh, printmaking. And next month there will be a series on wearable art taught by Carly Garay. So enrollment is open for that now on our website.
0: Excellent, thank you. Jennifer Norton from Pier One. Jennifer, uh, theater uh, seems to have been the, one of the most challenging things to present during a pandemic and yet peer one still managed to present things on a regular recurring basis maybe not the things that we would have expected there wasn't much of a summer season uh, we haven't seen anything by the way of community musicals but we're seeing other ways that the theater can step in and uh, fill that entertainment and educational gap can you tell us a little bit about that
2: sure Um, The past two years have been very interesting. Um, Obviously, theater requires an audience uh, gathering together in large numbers for the maximum enjoyment, but uh, we've been really pleased to be on the radio, um, making films in collaboration with other organizations, and uh, bringing our second Sunday Shakespeare to a Zoom session. Um, Just just finding ways to reach people in in new in new ways Uh, and then you know last summer transitioning to the outdoor performance venue uh and just keeping our uh keeping our covid committee uh engaged in the process so that we're responding um as variants come through and uh community spread changes with covid that we're just being aware of that and uh adjusting our policies accordingly. So we're really looking forward to some more in-person events coming up and just continuing to be responsive and offer what we can.
0: Great, thank you. Um, Yeah, so, before we move on to the next section of the conversation here, uh, Jennifer, share with me some of the challenges. Um, I, I got to participate with one of the productions last summer, and uh, it happened out in the woods, which was uh, wonderfully socially distanced um, and uh, lots of fresh air to boot. Um, but what are some of the other challenges other than uh, uh, making sure we don't share atmosphere and uh, uh, what other Things are you looking at what what has made that difficult
2: well um you know uh, our theater on the spit has all the things that we need in it basically lights, sound uh, stage audience space all of those things um but in moving into the woods all of that had to be created um which is quite uh um, labor intensive uh, to make it the space you know uh performance ready uh so a lot of moving of chairs and moving of platforms and things like that uh, to get everything ready um, and then also uh you know the facilities at the pratt are wonderful and we're so grateful to the pratt museum and, and to the bear creek winery both for inviting us into their spaces and um but they have some challenges they're not necessarily designed to host a lot of people in those spaces and so um finding uh, you know, making sure the bathroom facilities are all good to go and uh, that it's walkable or that there is uh, uh, wheelchair accessibility and all those things. So uh, yeah, those are some of the outside besides, besides COVID uh, considerations that we've had to tackle.
0: A lot of logistics there. Yes. So I'm going to uh, state what's probably fairly obvious to most of our listeners, but uh, partnerships during the pandemic really played a a very large and important part in the survival of all of our organizations. Um, I think that we all would have had challenges if we tried to stand independently on our own, uh, without, uh, support from, uh, partners in the community, from other organizations. And, uh, Jennifer, we had a wonderful partnership with, uh, Pier One and KBBI over the last two years, uh, presenting, uh, on-air dramas and other things. The Shakespeare in Context has been a, a favorite production that has appeared, uh, since then. And, uh, tell me a little bit about the partnerships that uh, that you've engaged in as an organization, uh, including peer one, uh, including KBBI, but other uh, other organizations around town that have assisted.
2: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the um, partnership with KBBI has been incredible and essential um, to us. Uh, we've had produced, I think, four radio plays now uh, with another one in the works and uh, the Shakespeare in Context podcast. been really a lot of fun. Uh, The, um, again, the, um, I'm sorry, the sonnets, the February sonnets have been really a great way to bring people in uh, and hear new voices on the radio and get them involved in Pier 1 uh, in a short little time commitment, which is um, sometimes actors don't have all the time to put into a play. So having these fun little snippets has been really wonderful. We, uh, as I said, we have partnered with the Pratt Museum uh, a great deal to produce our outdoor productions there. um, And also with Homer Council on the Arts for the Mary Epperson Day celebration. Um, We have uh, also the, um, with the Shakespeare in Context and Second Sunday Shakespeare, um, we have partnered with uh, the Catchmack Bay College and the uh, Friends of the Homer Library. Uh, uh it's just been it's just been really incredible to have all of the support from these other organizations and finding ways to get our voice out there I'm sure I'm missing people but
0: oh definitely and and uh, yeah if any, any other organizations are listening out there and want to jump in and uh, join this conversation with us uh, please go ahead and do that uh, I'm gonna just remind folks that our phone line is open right now, 907-235-7721, if you have any questions for our panelists. Uh, You can also email me at josh at kbbi.org, and we'll get your question on air. Uh, Scott Bartlett, Homer Council on the Arts. Tell me a bit about the partnerships that you have set up over the last two years and how that's helped Homer Council on the Arts. Uh,
1: Sure. We've been working with um, all kinds of partners as As usual, um, one of those courses, KBBI, uh, we were happy to have, uh, uh, to to broadcast the First Friday Roundup uh, for over the past year, um, which has been a great uh, great opportunity to get announcements out for First Friday gallery events. Um, And we've also aired recordings from the Writers' Contest, uh, from last year's Writers' Contest. And actually we have readings coming up very soon for the recent winners uh, of the Kenya Peninsula Writers Contest, and we'll be producing those for uh, radio broadcasts as well. Um, our education programs have been in partnership with uh, not just area schools, but um, last year we had a we had a wonderful opportunity to do a contract with the Kennedy Center, um, delivering arts education for uh, disabled students through the VSA program, uh, which was a great opportunity and worked with. Uh, I think over 180 students uh, throughout the southern Kenai Peninsula, uh, out of school and in school. Um, And we also have partnered with Migrant Education to provide some programming there. Um, We have a couple of projects. We're just uh, entering a project with the Kachemak Bay uh, National Estuarine Research Reserve uh, to explore a program around cultural ecological services. Um, So that's really an exciting opportunity as well. Uh, Jim mentioned um, uh, Mary Epperson Day uh, with a number of partners uh, around town. It's been great. Um, last March, we hosted a uh, exhibit, The Art of Wellness, uh, in partnership with um, Was that with, with the, the hospital? Uh, with the, yeah, it was with the Trails Program and with uh, South Peninsula Behavioral Services. Very good. So that was, that was a great partnership. Back at the beginning of the pandemic, um, i probably talked about this before, but um, we had a great opportunity, a great program to host uh, Art from the Heart, which was uh, soliciting artwork from students as well as original uh, performance material from performing artists that were out of work because of the pandemic, uh, commissioning that work to share with uh, at-risk uh, individuals that were isolated in... At the hospital and um, uh, the senior center, so folks that couldn't get out and see art and see live performance, uh, we were trying to bring some of that to those to those members of our community.
0: Very good. Thank you, Scott. Adele, can, can for, I? Oh, yeah, can I go ahead. Something? Go ahead, Scott. I,
1: I, and this is kind of a backtrack, but I just wanted to mention about um, you know on the subject of being responsive to safety protocols and changing COVID. Uh, situations is, I think all of us are part of larger uh, consortiums and groups of arts organizations that talk to each other on a regular basis. Um, there's a um, there's a there's a statewide network uh, that we're part of, and then there's networks beyond that. Uh, and so we're checking the pulse of other communities around the state um, and having ongoing conversations about how how. Uh, performing arts and arts organizations are responding to the pandemic, what protocols they have in place. Um, And I will say that these organizations in the state are some of the most cautious about COVID protocol and about safety because being together with people is so central to what we do, and it has so many risks when you have especially Especially so for a theater situation that Jen can talk to. We have so many volunteers that are putting themselves together at risk. And you have them, you have a, you know, performers and you have audience. And if that all blows up, then it's it's just all over. So I would say performing arts have been particularly cautious through this period. Um, but we're, you know, we're working together across the state and across the country to make sure that we can do it safely.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Scott. Um, Adele from, uh, street arts center. Um, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the partnerships that Benell has, uh, uh, taken on in the last year or so and how that has impacted and benefited the gallery and the organization.
3: It's so fun to, um, hear, you know, just what a like rich ecosystem we have and, and, uh, And so those partnerships might be, you know, project by project, like like KBBI for Banal Arts by Air concerts, or like the Pratt Museum and the Homer Drawdown group putting together uh, an exhibit last summer about peatland preservation, which was a a climate solution that the Homer Drawdown group, you know, selected through a really fabulous um, uh, selection process, and then started to, you know, work on this really intangible thing together, and that art Art techniques were were part of the strategies to solve these sort of other greater problems in the world. Certainly, partnering with the schools for artists in schools program, Um, and and many things just like Scott and Jen have have shared. You know, all all of our organizations have always thrived uh, on partnerships because we we know that that art isn't just for art's sake. It's part of like this rich and wonderful um, place that we live in this rich quality of life that we're building as a community. Um, I guess two other kind of groups that I think about when I think about partnerships one is artists and artist networks themselves you know that that artists have been some of the most responsive to you know they're they're living this and so they they have ideas and 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 art is such a way of communicating um in new ways and in ways that really touch people so those have been just by kind of facilitating uh artists as all of our organizations do you know we've We've been able to kind of keep our community um, healthier and, and connected despite the stresses and challenges of the pandemic. And then the other group I really think about that was so interesting and changed so much during the pandemic is funding organizations. All of our organizations use grants to support projects, or, or um, there's grants that support our operating costs. You know, and and different. And those are often really strengthened by um, partnerships. But funding organizations really changed and responded to the pandemic in such an incredible way, whether it was like coronavirus relief um, grants or, um, you know, some of the the federal organizational loans that were out there. And that really enabled um, our organizations to help to support the communities that we're kind of a product of, like um, Bonnell wrote a grant and then really turned it around to kind of create different um, sub-programs to, to essentially put musicians to work, you know, in this in this period of difficulty or have online workshops to transfer knowledge from indigenous elders to indigenous youth. Um, and, and like the Homer Foundation, you know, the, the partnership between KBBI and Benel for this concert series is now funded for another year with the help of the Homer Foundation. So our, our local funding uh, organizations have been such a key part of making this ecosystem thrive. You know, we can't do these complex things without all of these different parts and pieces. And it's been really encouraging to see that um, response during the pandemic that existed before also, and that was almost like strengthened through the stresses and challenges, and that we can now hope to, to build and continue and, and develop. Um, so we continue to flourish as a community.
0: Thanks, Adele. Um, Yeah, and I want to echo your sentiments there that uh, the uh, uh, assistance with funding uh, from various uh, uh, philanthropic organizations, um, foundations, and uh, individuals over the last couple of years has been uh, truly impressive. And I suspect that uh, between our four organizations, our uh, membership lists have an awful lot of overlap and I want to acknowledge all of the people who have stepped in individually and supported our organizations to make sure that we keep, uh, keep operating, that we're uh, an essential part of your life, that you consider us important, and uh, that you've stepped in and uh, helped fill that void where, uh, where funding may have gone, uh, gone askew. Um, so just a, a general thank you to the Homer community uh, for stepping in and supporting our arts organizations and keeping them operating during this time um i have a question for oh yeah go ahead scott
1: (laughs) i said bravo i'll echo that
0: oh yes Uh, a question for uh for adele um this is from a listener uh would like to know about uh bareth stenab uh your current artist in residence and uh their time is up next week can you tell me a bit about the uh, uh that program and the current artist
3: Oh, I'd love to. Uh, Bereth Stedab is a Swedish artist as part of an international artist exchange program. We had two Alaska artists go to Sweden, Melissa Shaganoff and uh, Mandy Bernard. And so Bereth has come this way. And this is one of the programs that actually began before the pandemic and then was delayed and then delayed again and then delayed again. And here finally, after sort of two years of of disruption, um, Bareth is here. So she's here for an eight week residency and she is here through the end of the month. Um, She's a wonderful artist that's that's really about building connections and sharing stories uh, in many ways through textiles. So she has a number of interactive projects that you can uh, call and make an appointment or stop by uh, during her studio hours and interact. You can bring a a textile or a, a piece of fabric kind of from your world and uh, she and, and you will have a, a conversation about it. And, and there's a, you might like fold that fabric together and, and uh, record your hands that she'll put together sort of as a, almost like a choreography of, of all these, these stories that are, that we embody and, you know, the, the precious things, whether there are baby blankets or great grandmothers dresses or um some yarn that was you know hand spun um and then there's another project too called unraveling where she has a, a great deal of um this really incredible wool super finely spun from a place that i think closed you know it was in the family for many many generations and you can help unravel and and wind this this uh work up and then she's also kind of creating an installation work so all of that crocheting and knitting and fiber is is integrated with storytelling and with um, you know, like like all of art, the way we sort of put so much meaning in some of the things that um, are very um, common in our lives but are really important. Um, and she's a, just a really wonderful presence to have um, and shares a lot too about some of the similarities between Sweden and Alaska. you know we we have similar similar climates in some ways, and similar people in some ways, uh, but also differences. And it's just such a a wonderful way of connecting and it's funded through the um, uh, Alaska Community Foundation. There's an international exchange um, fund there. And so we are looking to bring a second artist later this year. Um, But one of the complications with the pandemic has been visas and some of the logistics there. So we'll see what happens.
0: Very good. Thanks, Adele. Um, and uh, when uh, uh, when is that artist leaving? How long do people have time to go uh, see what they're working on?
3: She's here through the end of the month. Um, and so we're just here at the middle of the month. And uh, I think she leaves um, March. I'm not exactly sure of the date, but probably March 20th, 29th or 30th or so.
0: Very good. We'll get down there while you can, folks. Uh, we're going to take a uh, quick dance break, fill up our coffee mugs, and we'll be back with you in a minute or two. Please stay tuned. You're listening to The Coffee Table on KBBI AM 890. Homer, Alaska. Support for co- The Coffee Table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier 1 productions can be found by calling 907 226 2287 or go to their website peer1theater.org. This is KBBI AM 890. You're listening to The Coffee Table. We'll be back in just a minute. This is KBBI AM 890 Homer, Alaska. You're listening to The Coffee Table. I'm your host, Josh Krohn. This morning I am talking with Scott Bartlett from Homer Council on the Arts, Adele Person from Benell Street Arts Center, and Jennifer Norton from Pier One Theater. Good morning and thank you for joining us here on The Coffee Table. We're talking about the state of arts in Homer and uh, how we have uh, weathered through the pandemic. And uh, for the next segment of this program, I'd like to discuss uh, what is going to happen next. What kind of plans do you have for the summer? Uh, What kind of special events are you looking to promote? And uh, what can people look forward to? Who would like to go first? There's so much going on.
3: Uh, I can go first if you'd like.
0: Excellent. Um, Go ahead.
3: So this very Friday, uh, at Bunnell, we have caress the playing, uh, with our Bunnell arts by air KBBI program. So, uh, you can be in person masked and tickets are online, or you can listen live on the radio at 7 PM sharp. Um, and then, uh, next month we will present, uh, a musician who's visiting actually as an artist in residence named Nathan Hall. He'll be, he's a composer, and that should be a really interesting sonic experience. Um, he's coming along with two other artists in residence. So, April's going to be a really fabulous month with uh, a video and photographer named Jesse Egner, who explores queerness and disidentification. And then Nathan Hall, who is a, a really interesting composer and and uh, artist as well. He'll kind of compose a sonic portrait of, of Homer in some ways through music and drawing. And then a screenwriter who's also coming through the McKnight foundation. Um, all of those artists will have uh, outreach events, you know, either studio hours, Jesse will teach a cyanotype workshop, which I'm really interested in. Her and Frank will teach a screenwriting uh, three-part workshop that um Homer community members are, are invited to join. And, and Nathan hopes to engage with local musicians, um, you know, whether that's through sort of the high school program or, or uh, some networks, and he'll have some open studio hours as well. And then in the summer, we just have really incredible exhibits um, with painters like David Pettibone or Steve Gordon, um, local potters like Lisa Wood and Cynthia Morelli. Amber Webb and Colleen Fearman Thomas, both um, painters and multimedia artists. Um, and Wild Shore, our, a music group who's had many, many residencies and comes with an annual festival to Homer will be playing in June. Uh, and they'll have maybe, a, we'll have a backdoor concert and another radio concert as well. Um, and then in collaboration with the Pratt Museum, there's a, an incredible exhibit that is beginning It'll open up in July called Protection, uh, and it'll begin its uh, tour that it'll go down to the lower 48 and will include the work of many, many artists kind of talking about themes of of cultural protection, of adaptation, of um, cultural survival of uh, Alaskan Indigenous artists. And that will be, I think, a lot of, you know, just wonderful works created, some created particularly for the show and a lot of conversations around there. And then the last thing that I'm very excited about is a partnership with the city of Homer and the Islands and Oceans Visitor Center um, is a public art installation down in Bishop's Beach Park um, that is helping to start a big conversation about um, that park and uh, reconfiguring and and having some better amenities and adapting. And that project is called Tuyana Toon. And it's an indigenous landmarking sculpture by Nanitoch um, Village Tribe artist Argent Kvasnikov, a really beautiful uh, sort of almost like a, a rock cairn that will um, that's tied to a, a way of looking at our our sense of place um, and kind of indigenous wayfinding. And so that'll be a really it's got a lot of really beautiful deep. Um, history behind it and a lot of learning and uh, is a wonderful partnership that I'm excited to see that'll happen in September. Hopefully we're hoping for installation.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Yeah. Exciting about that uh, uh, Bishop's Beach project. I'd read a little bit about that and uh, looking forward to seeing the next stages of that process. Um, And uh, Adele, where can people find information on uh, your events and summer schedule if they're interested in uh, going and finding more?
3: Everything is on our website, banelarts.org. And we have a very active Facebook page. I think everything's got events. um, So that's uh, Arts on Facebook and and Instagram as well. You're always welcome to stop by the gallery um, and give us a call at 235-2662 or or email. Really, uh, we want to be accessible for however people choose to connect.
0: Wonderful. Um, I do want to remind our listeners that we are taking calls right now. If you have questions for our panelists, give us a call, 907-235-7721. Simon is standing by to answer your call. Or if you'd like to uh, email me a question, josh at kbbi.org. And I will pass that question along to our panel. Scott, Homer Council on the Arts, tell me a little bit about the upcoming events uh, that HCOA is looking at.
1: Sure, we have a lot of stuff on the horizon. Uh, Maybe I'll start with a couple of, uh, a handful of deadlines because we have some open calls right now. Um, Next month, we'll be featuring the Jubilee Student Art Exhibit, and that is accepting art from um, class groups or from individual students and families, Um, and so artwork is due for that on uh, March 24th. We have an open exhibit call for gallery residencies, uh, month long exhibits in the HCOA gallery and in the South Peninsula Hospital gallery, the main corridor uh, beyond the entrance uh, at the hospital there. And that exhibit call is open till uh, the 27th for the rest of 2022 and into 2023. Um, We have a a call for second Friday performances uh, closing on the 27th, and that's this is a new series, uh, which I mentioned earlier. Second Friday performance in any genre, in any format—music, um, um, motion, narrative, uh, anything that can be performed. Uh, it's a and it's a um, admission by donation performance. So, especially geared towards emerging performers and new projects and experimental projects. Um, so. We hope to get some more uh, applications to, to map out that series for the rest of the year. And we also have an open call for a group show taking place in July, which is a landscapes exhibit. Uh, those works will be due uh, 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 notice due by June 17th with works due uh, June 28th. Uh, so anyone can submit up to two works for this landscapes exhibit in June in July. Uh, currently, we have a, a exhibit of uh, uh, work by Gay Wolf in the gallery, which will be up through the month, and we're going to have a special uh, open house on the twenty-sixth. Uh, that's the last Friday of the month, the last Saturday of the month. Excuse me. Um, uh, other exhibit, other uh, exciting events we have in next week. We'll have the reading by adult winners from the South, the, from the Canadian Peninsula Writers Contest. That'll be next Thursday, the twenty-fourth, at seven p.m. Uh, it's a free event in the gallery here which will be recorded. Um, and then the second Friday in April, during the Jubilee month, we'll have youth readers uh, reading and recording uh, on second Friday at, at 6 p.m. Um, in July, in April, we're very excited to be, bring the Zodiac Trio, which is a contemporary classical ensemble uh, doing really exciting, phenomenal music. They're world-renowned. Um, Uh, ensemble will be performing at uh, Faith Lutheran Church on April 21st at 7 p.m. and there's tickets available for that uh, on our website right now. Uh, And in June we'll be bringing, uh, we'll be celebrating Mary Epperson Day uh, on June 4th. And the week after that we're very excited to partner with Spinar Jazz Festival to bring a duo uh, from New York is going to come to the Jazz Festival and then come down to Homer and perform at the Homer Theater. Uh, That'll be a live jazz and film joint event. That'll be really exciting. Uh, I'm not gonna give you too many details on that, but it's gonna be a fabulous, fabulous event. And um, looking into the the fall, we'll be celebrating Oktoberfest in September, which is very exciting. And then we're planning a large dance performance uh, coming in the fall as well.
0: Excellent. Well, one of my favorite things about Homer Council on the Arts is that they don't just promote uh, arts for the sake of entertainment, but they promote, uh, sorry, you promote uh, arts for the sake of participation and production. Um, A lot of the events you have are really geared towards getting people involved in the process getting your hands dirty basically um Mm -hmm. so uh exciting to see there's so many events coming up on that regard um and and
1: speaking of getting your hands dirty we're also uh in the in the final stages of installing a ceramic studio in our renovated basement um we talked earlier about about um sort of reactions and and the the great benefit of the funding opportunities that have happened through the pandemic there have been some really Um, serendipitous opportunities uh, where we've been able to plan for the future and sort of establish programs um, looking forward and one of those opportunities has been uh, HCOA is able to renovate our entire basement into a workable classroom so we have more teaching space for workshops for youth and adults and we're now installing a ceramic studio so that should be up and running this summer for youth workshops, adult workshops, uh, standalone kind of project-based uh, uh, programs, uh, so longer class series and and shorter workshops uh, for all ages.
0: That's wonderful. Um, the ceramics workshop is that going to be open to the public?
1: Uh, well, I believe we'll start with uh, workshops open to the public. Um, it's it's not a huge space, so we want to be cautious about having open studio hours because uh, ceramic work can, can add up pretty quick. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the space isn't overflowing, um, but I hope that we do get to a point uh, before long where we can have some open access to the studio.
0: Excellent, thank you, Scott. Jennifer. Hi. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the uh, Jennifer, uh, Pier One Theater, tell me about uh, the upcoming events uh, for Pier One. What, uh, what do you have on your schedule?
2: Absolutely. Um, Right now, I'm very excited to be working with uh, Kyle Schneider at the Homer High School Choir Department for their spring musical, which is Schoolhouse Rock Live, um, which is going to be performed on March 25th and 26th. Um, It's really fun to be working in the Mariner Theater again on musical theater. So I'm having a blast with that. Um. Upcoming ongoing uh, productions we have are um, we have a radio theater project, a short radio play by a local author, Robin Hamilton, called A Mind of Many Colors, which is uh, about an autistic detective working here in Homer on a, um, in the old-timey radio theater style. So we're working on getting that one put together, coming soon on the air. Uh, we have two more Shakespeare in Context, Second Sunday Shakespeare readings. I believe those two shows are Othello and Two Noble Kinsmen, Uh, and then we'll take a break on Second Sunday Shakespeare and Shakespeare in Context for the summer so we can get going with our live productions here. Um, We have a lot of live stuff planned uh, coming up. We hope to uh, have youth theater camps available for enrollment in the first week of April. So we have a really robust program there for kids ages five to 17. And that's gonna be a really fun summer of camps. Uh, We have a production camp planned for those, for kids. Uh, We also are going to be announcing auditions for summer theater very soon, we have Uh, The whole season isn't entirely lined out yet. I'm still working on a couple of things, but I do know that we have two local playwrights represented this summer. We have The Night Animals by Kate Rich, and we have Cosmic Hostel by Sally Oberstein. Um, And those will all be at the um, Theater on the Spit, which will be so fun because we haven't been in there with live audiences uh, for two years. So I'm really excited to be getting back in there. Uh, we also have outdoor theater in August and September planned at the Pratt Museum and Park. Uh, I do not know yet what that production will be or those productions, but that will be coming soon. Um, and I am also really thrilled to be working with Eric Simonson uh, to Produce a uh musical this fall at the mariner theater so i can't tell you what it will be yet because i don't have performance rights yet but oh, it's coming man. soon so exciting <laughs> sorry i was hoping to know to officially announce it today but it's not quite there yet so yeah. um yeah. What else? Oh, I forgot to mention the Mama films that we're working on in partnership with the Mama Collective created by Brianna Allen. Uh, we hope to start dropping those films here pretty soon on social media and on our YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's what's going on. I also have a, a job opening uh, at Pier One for an office assistant. So that's uh, an active thing happening here. So
0: uh jennifer did did you mention you the youth theater camps is that happening this summer
2: it is indeed yes
0: excellent
2: um, uh when yeah, does when, when
0: does sign up start for that
2: so i'm hoping to have those um available the first week of april uh we have quite a few camps going on we have the five to seven year olds do a um a camp called theater play where they just get in the space and get to know uh what being in a the theater is all about um we have stories on the stage for ages eight to ten, uh, where they take elements of the uh, story read to them and turn, you know, discover plot and character and uh, crucial dialogue and turn those into uh, stage presentation. Uh, we have our skills camp, which offers just a wide range of all uh, all the aspects of theater, um, and then our production camp. Um, well, I'm again, I can't quite say what our production camp will be but, uh, but we will have a, a full production where kids audition for their roles and uh, go through the whole process of putting on a play. So, um, yeah, uh, and I'm very happy to have Kathleen Gustafson, uh, heading up our youth theater camps this summer. We also ha- hope to offer a, a Shakespeare camp as we did uh, last summer with uh, Sarah Brewer so.
0: Very exciting. Uh, Jennifer, I have a, a question for you from a listener. Um, he would like to know about future plans for Pier 1's home on the spit, um, that there may be changes uh, coming. And also if there is any inclusion uh, with Pier 1 on uh, development at the Herc complex. Uh, any Anything to share about that?
2: Sure. Um, what I can tell you is that our theater on the spit is old and needs lots of things, um, <laughs> and uh, that we're exploring many different options for what where where the heart of Pier One is and where it should be in the community and. Um, yeah, we're having dialogue about the the HERC space. Um, the current plan uh, that's being presented has a, a um, small stage space off of the gymnasium that uh, uh, is um, m- maybe not a um, a full answer for us, but a space that we would certainly be excited to utilize if it comes to fruition. Um, and And uh, I'm talking with uh, you know, with HCOA and Banel and other folks who present performing arts uh, about what their visions for, for that are for the community as well. So um, we are exploring all kinds of ideas.
0: Excellent. One of my thoughts on uh, public performance spaces um, and if we have any city council members listening in uh, want to have a good idea uh, a public amphitheater somewhere in the middle of town possibly with a Herc complex maybe a re uh, re-exploring the town square project something like that I could see all of our organizations benefiting from uh, something uh, something central and large enough to uh, put into practice with a, a viewing area uh, public, uh, for public performances, for music and theater, what have you. Um, so, uh, this is a question for all of our panelists here, um, from a listener, uh, how did Homer's reputation as an artist's haven come about? Uh, do you feel that Homer is still a significant art center or has the reputation faded? And is there still a place for up and coming artists?
1: I don't think that that, that reputation has faded a bit. Um, you know Homer has been uh, has been known as a, as a center for arts. You know the governor called Homer the the arts capital of the state at one point. Um, it is such a dynamic place. People are so inspired to be in Homer. Uh, the natural surrounding, the the cultural milieu. Um, there's so much inspiration and so many other artists to support and foster each other. Uh, it's not it's not a it's not a place where People work, you know, work in silos, but we have this community of people working together and supporting and fostering each other. Um, I think it's, it's an amazing place and it's, it, it supports that artistry and that artistry supports our community. You know, that's a, that's a major, increasingly a major economic driver of the, of the city of Homer. Um, and I think that we all celebrate that. Thanks, Scott.
3: I'd agree. I'd agree, Scott. Um, but I, but I think it has been really much more challenging. You know, I I know of several people who've moved here in the last couple of years, and the way Homer the arts community opens its arms has been through sometimes these these much bigger you know crowd kind of events, wearable arts, or um, some of our local fundraisers, and and we haven't had. Uh, You know, it hasn't. We haven't even really had the capacity to see our nearest and dearest for the last couple of years, much less have those kind of really open forums where you get to rub elbows and meet someone. Um, So I know that Homer's heart is still super open and welcoming, but we we are just now kind of re-experiencing what it's like, you know, to have first Fridays and workshops and. Um, and especially some of those bigger organizations, it's really encouraging to hear that all of our organizations are 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 kind of turning the corner and and have these capacities to adapt and to to know how to have safe events, but are starting to think of uh, bigger concerts and you know some of these bigger community engagement. Um, programs that were the ways that we welcome new people into the community. And and Alaska itself is so rich. I mean, Homer is a wonderful arts community, but we also thrive as a, we're a huge geographic state, but we're kind of one big small town in a lot of ways. And that's also something that we've missed in these last couple years. And so many of our sister communities around the state are also I guess I just think that Alaska is such an inspirational place. You almost have to respond with the same amount of creativity and and beauty and investigation into, um, you know, how we, we make this rich ecosystem. Uh, but I'm really excited that Homer is seen as an arts organization, that people come here for the arts. I am grateful for the chamber of commerce who've really helped sh- um, some of those projects, you know, like the peonies on pioneer with the, the murals and the, and the gardens and, we have these wonderful cross sector ways of the, the creativity is also broader than arts too. You know, it's, it's the way that we approach um, food sustainability in our farmer's market and our crafts and our, um, I don't know, just the way we live here too. So I, I hope that Homer always sees itself as an arts community, but is, is, you know, we, ha- we also have to think of how we do that um, in innovative ways too. It's a, I wouldn't say it's like a competitive world out there, but there's there's just a lot of creativity in Alaska, and for Homer to continue to shine, we we can always work to um, to promote ourselves and to offer that that uh, that rich ecosystem to visitors and to our local community.
0: Great, thank you, Adele. Uh, let's see. I'm going to take a, a circle around the uh, panel here and see if we have any last comments. We're down to about four minutes and we'll have to wrap it up. Uh, Jennifer, would you uh, like to add anything before we close?
2: don't know if there's anything specific I need to say. I'm just, uh, grateful, uh, for, uh, the opportunity to collaborate with all of you lovely people and, uh, and connect with the community and continue to find ways to connect with the community. Um there's so much uh speaking of the desire to create art. Um I just I can hardly keep up with the number of projects that people are interested in having us work on and uh and it's just really wonderful to have it thriving in that way. So that's all from me. I
0: think. Great. Thank you. Uh Scott, any any last words to share?
1: Uh, I agree with that. There's no, no shortage of exciting projects and opportunities. Um, uh, there's, there's just a lot going on right now. And, and I think uh, I also want to share that you know, that, that this, uh, this group on the radio here, we, we talk all the time. It's great to, that, that we're all on the same page and working together um, for this community. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. I want to add that um, HCOA also has uh, uh, Art in the Park Uh, summer art camps happening this summer. Uh, Those aren't listed yet, but they will be week-long sessions. And um, also I'm going to switch hats and mention that um, Kenai Peninsula Orchestra is looking forward to a performance at the end of the summer as well. So the orchestra is happy to be back performing again.
0: Wonderful. And thank you for mentioning the orchestra that was on my list and I hadn't quite gotten to that. So good to hear that we've got plans for a schedule there. Uh, Adele, any last comments to share?
3: Oh well, it's so nice to have a a morning conversation with all of you, um, and I I love that that our arts ecosystem works so collaboratively and and offers so many rich opportunities. But like both Jen and Scott say, there's always you know more possible, um, and sometimes the organizations themselves don't have the capacity to present everything. So I'm looking forward to to kind of the way our community as a whole can continue to build that infrastructure. Like you mentioned, um, Josh, amphitheaters, and there's a a west, uh, the library's Western lot expansion is kind of looking at play spaces along that kind of trail um, to the west of the library that might maybe, maybe it could have a small amphitheater, the the Pratt Museum is talking about a small amphitheater. These are all sort of possibilities as our community rises up to the the kind of um, the ideas that get put forth and sometimes they take a long time to put together the Herc renovation project could have a a great deal of capacity for our community to have more space for workshops or small presentations or kind of, you know, different ways that, that people can um, gather, can present and can make their ideas um, manifest, you know, in collaboration with the organizations that you're listening to on the radio here or the other great organizations all around our community or um, as kind of pop-up networks. And that's really exciting to see and maybe where some of our work has to to be to kind of continue building what we wanna see in the future.
0: Very good, thank you, Adele. Adele Person from the Bunnell Street Arts Center. Thank you for joining me. Scott Bartlett, Homer Council on the Arts. Thank you. And Jennifer Norton from Pier One Theater. Thank you so much uh, panelists for joining us this morning on the coffee table. This is KBBI Homer AM 890. This program will be available online later today if you'd like to go back and listen. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, the Pratt Museum has a display of Nutcracker photos that closes on Saturday. Lots of local faces in there. And also I have a note that the uh, Loved and Lost Memorial Bench has a uh, schedule for dedication on June 12th and that the bench is going to be placed at the Homer Public Library in part of their lawn expansion and uh, that also they are looking for funds to help support the uh, completion of that project on their GoFundMe uh, page. If you are interested in helping that, they would very much appreciate that. This is KBBI Homer AM 890. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coffee Table. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.